Hello and welcome to the fifth episode of the Fox and Windmill podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. So before we begin, as always, make sure you have yourself something to drink. We always recommend a cup of tea. I've got myself a cup of tea. Sarah and Gida, what do you have? I've got I've some got, water today. And I've got some black coffee. Brilliant. Today we're joined with a very special guest who'll be talking about their journey in, the publish- in publishing their work along with working for the Royal Literary Fund. Please welcome Sanjida. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you oh, for it's being It's a pleasure. Here. Yeah. So just before we start, um, this is a Zoom podcast, so if there isn't a bit of feedback or any kind of noise, that's just that. But we always say it's part of the ambience of the podcast. Right, let's get started then. So um, a little bit of an introduction about Sanjida. So um, she's the author of eight novels and four works of non-fiction and has been shortlisted for numerous awards. She's published four psychological thrillers under the pen name of Sanjida K, The Stolen Child, My Mother's Secret, One Year Later and Born by Born, which was shortlisted for the CWA Steel Dagger Award and nominated as one of the best crime and thriller books of 2016. She works for the Royal Literary Fund and will be discussing why the support of organisations like the RLF are important in the industry today. Let's get started with the questions. So Zanji, did you want to tell us a bit about yourself and how you kind of got started with, because obviously that's two very different things, you're working with the RLF and you're doing your, your publishing books on the side as well. So do you want to talk us a bit about how you began that? Um, so I, I began as a writer really, really early on. I started getting my work published when I was 18 and um, had my first novel out when I was 25. Um, so, and I used to work, uh, I had a couple of different jobs. So I had my writing, my novel and non-fiction book writing, um, but I also worked as a TV producer, director and, um, and as a journalist. And then um, when I had a family, it was really difficult to kind of juggle all of those different aspects of, of, um, of my career. So mm-hmm. I decided I was going to focus on obviously bringing up my daughter, um, but on my writing. And then what I discovered was that it's quite difficult, and maybe we'll come back to this, it's quite difficult to make a living as a full-time novelist without mm-hmm. any other sources of income. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was really lucky to start working part-time for the Royal Literary Fund, which is a, um, a charity. And I've been now working for the RLF in various capacities for about eight years. And at the same time, um, publishing um, my, my thrillers. And, um, and I've also gone back and republished some of my earlier novels as well. Brilliant. So you published your first book at 18, did you say? Um, I had my first short story published when I was 18. Wow. And um, uh, before that, I had a couple of poems published. I had a had a poem published in an anthology of um, Northern writers and, uh, and it was published in Bradford. So, and I used to live in Bradford, so I feel very um, oh. you know, connected to, to, to Yorkshire. That's amazing. Um, and then the first novel came out when I was 25. And more recently, I've kind of returned a little bit to my northern roots because um, my second thriller, The Stolen Child, is set on Ilkley Moor, which I'm sure um, you're very familiar with. Yeah. Yeah, it's beautiful, isn't it? Like the landscape 
inspires a lot of creativity, I think. It is beautiful and also I think it can be quite dark because um, yes. it's, a, it's a, a vast expanse of, of wilderness right next to mm -hmm. town and, um, and I really like that juxtaposition of kind of um, the urban and the, and the natural and how often people are a little bit uncomfortable about nature and, and wildness. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because actually when you think about where the city sits, the Ilkley Moors just kind of towers over it a bit. Yeah, and it kind of just shows you the power of nature in, in a way. It's impressive. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Do you want to tell us a little bit about um, your career as a writer? Was it quite hard? Because you did mention that you went to RLF to go get a, a job as well. So tell us a bit about that. Um, yeah, so in so to begin with, um, I wasn't reliant on money from my um, uh, from my from my books because um, you know I had I had a job as well. So the thing about writing is that it's there's no salary. <laughs> so if you get a book deal, you might have been working on that book for a, for a long time. Um, hmm. One of my books my third one which was called originally published as the naked name of love and I've republished it with my preferred title which is the priest and the lily mm -hmm. and that book is set in outer Mongolia in 18, uh, 1865 so it took a lot of time to research and a lot of time to, to write I wasn't writing full-time um, so it, it, you know it's, it was really good to have a, have another job as well um, but then, of course, when I was um, in the position of uh, bringing up my, my daughter, and that would be the same for anyone who's got maybe caring responsibilities of any kind, it's really difficult to have a, to have a full-time job or even a part-time job and juggle that with, your, with mm -hmm. your writing. And of course, some years you might uh, earn enough as a writer to um, not need any other work, and other years you won't. Um, so, so that was how I first became involved with the Royal Literary Fund. Um, the Royal Literary Fund is um, it's a benevolent charity, as I was saying, but um, it does a lot of different. Uh, it has a lot of different aspects to it. At its core, it's about supporting writers. But one of the things that it does is have writing fellows that go out to universities. And they basically work a couple of days a week at, at a university, helping students um, with their create with their um, essay writing, their academic essay writing. <laughs> and that was how I got into working for the um, for the RLF because I did that for um, two two days a week. And then that was just the perfect amount of time and support to give me space and time to get on with writing my novels. Mm. That's amazing. I'm interested to know because you said that you reprinted some of your books. What well, kind of sparked that on? Is it um, something? So, yeah. So um, I had I wrote two two books originally. It was a two book deal. So that was Theory of Mind and Angel Bird, Angel Bird, which were kind of loosely literary thrillers. <laughs> and then I wrote another two books, which were again literary but also historical fiction: um, The Naked Name of Love and Sugar Island. And the publishers hold the rights, they tend to hold the rights to your books for about 10 years. So once the, um, the publisher's rights had finished, 
then I thought I would really like my books to be out there and available for people to continue to buy and read if they if they want to. Um, and so that's why I um, then republished um, The Priest and the Lily. And this year I'm really excited that I've, I've literally just republished Sugar Island, um, which is um, set at the turn of the American Civil, Civil War. And it's based on a true story. It's about um, a young woman who's um, an actress, very glamorous, very independent, which was, as I'm sure you know, unusual for that um, for that for that mm -hmm. time that time in history. Um, and she goes off to America to do a tour, meets this very charming southern gentleman, and they have this whirlwind romance and get married. And then, as soon as she's married, he reveals this terrible secret, which is that he's a slave owner. And this is, you know, 34 years or so after Britain has abolished slavery. And she's forced to go and live on this slave plantation with um, 700 enslaved men, women and children. Um, mm. and, and so, you know, it is based on a true story, but I have um, dramatised it. Um, and then it's how she deals with and escapes from this terrible situation for for the slaves, but also for her to be complicit in that. That sounds incredible. Yeah, that sounds really interesting. I think what we'll do is we'll leave like a, a description of all the books that you've published in our show notes so anybody can access those books and have a read of what you've published. Oh, that'd be amazing. Thank you. Um, I have a website, which is just my name. It's um, sanjida.co.uk and it has my thrillers under one section and then the, the rest of my books under the um, and uh, books <laughs> that's great well we'll put that on as well in the show notes so any of our listeners can access that and yeah take a gander at your website that'd be brilliant <laughs> just adding a little bit more about you know about your writing career um, we were just wondering how your love for writing actually began or was there a key moment in your life where you were thinking okay I want to be a writer um, I've always been interested in writing and telling stories so I remember being um three or four years old and walking around and uh, telling myself stories about generally squirrels and robins. Beatrix <laughs> um, Potter like. <laughs> um, and then when I was um, five years old we were living in Nigeria at the time and at the bottom of the garden um, there was this really overgrown bit with um, kind of grass that was way higher than me and it was full of insects all buzzing around and I remember standing in front of this thinking I should go in there I should go in amongst all of these um, all these bugs but being quite scared to because I had this very clear idea that I wanted to be um, a novelist and a zoologist when I when I grew up um, and I'm, I'm so lucky and grateful that I was able to do both those things because I did um, I did a career, I, sorry, I did a, a degree in zoology followed by a PhD on chimpanzees wow. and my first novel was about um, a young woman who's studying chimpanzees. Um, so yes, I had this dream really early on and um, just did everything I can to, to bring it about. That's amazing. I think a, a degree in zoology is absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Um, I'm interested as well to know about your pseudonym that you publish under. Can I, do you want to tell us a bit about what inspired you with that? Uh, so it wasn't my decision. Um, right. So I've always written under my own name, which is Sanjida O'Connell. Um, mm. And I mm. and I like 
I like my name, <laughs> um, but also it reflects who I am because I'm I'm half Irish and I'm half Bangladeshi, and I've you know spent a lot, I've spent time in um, you know I'm British as well. I'm mixed race. I feel like it reflects my heritage. Um, mm-hmm. But when I embarked on writing thrillers, my publishers wanted me to change my name so that I would it would make it easier to be rebranded as a thriller writer mm-hmm. um, and so uh, I came up with various suggestions for um, for a pseudonym but they actually wanted me to keep my first name um, which I think is slightly odd because I don't think I don't think there's another novelist in this country called Sanjida so as soon as I had recreated all my social media as Sanjida K it was really obvious that it was still me and then now of course it's a little bit awkward because I'm trying to talk about my Sanjeeda O'Connell books as well but you know so so that was a decision by the publishers and um, I think it's quite common now particularly for authors who've maybe had a career being published in a different genre and then they want to um, you know pub- publish in another genre I think that speaks to, you know, maybe our publishing industry and how uh, a lot of writing is so categorised. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and the publishers actually said to me that um, they didn't want me to have a second Asian name. So my um, my biological father is called Kawaja. So I had said, well, I could be Sanjida Kawaja, go back to go back to that. Um, but they didn't want me to have another Asian name. I'm not talking about a specific publisher, I'm just saying that the publishers in general, um, when they were saying we would want you to be um, mm-hmm. writing under a pseudonym, uh, felt that I would be categorised as an Asian writer, whatever that is. Wow. That's really interesting. Yeah. That is incredible. It's, and you know, so this is, so when I changed over to become a thriller writer, this was about 2015. So we're not talking a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Although I would very much hope that nobody would say that to a writer nowadays. Yeah, I guess, I guess with publishing and with that embodiment of work that you've created, it becomes a part of you. And I can't imagine not having your name on it and instead having to pretend that it's some you know it's another part of you having written that that's that's quite interesting yeah yes yes i i i did struggle with it at the beginning and you know but it is it is what it is i mean that's Mm -hmm. that's kind of in a way what it takes to be published and i was grateful to have the the push to be um you know rebranded as a as a crime writer but obviously, I'm a writer. I want to be able to write in any genre and whatever type of writing I would like to write. Yeah, that's really interesting. Uh, we were just wanting to also talk about uh, um, some of your key influences throughout your um, writing career. So maybe other writers or other people in your life, um, whether there's anyone that stands out who was really influential for you. 
I think the main thing for me was books and reading. You know, I've all, I've always read. I've been, I was one of those children that uh, I'm sure you know you're both the same. That just reading and reading, and all the photographs of me as a child are, are with a book, and kind of my stock phrase was um, just just one more chapter. <laughs> um, and so I think my my kind of two. Uh, I've got lots of uh, writers that I love, but my two kind of literary heroes are. Um, uh, Emily Bronte, who's, uh, I love Wuthering Heights, and that was a huge inspiration for me. And Margaret Atwood, you know, um, like me, she's got a background in, in zoology and is very interested in the environment. And mm -hmm. um, I, lo I loved reading her work right from, um, you know, very early work like Cat's Eye. But my favourite uh, set of books that she wrote was the Mad Adam trilogy but I think for me growing up um, I didn't have um, role models that inspired me because I didn't know any of the mixed race writers mm -hmm. um, yeah. in the UK um, and I didn't and I wasn't reading writers that had the same kind of um, upbringing and experience as I mm -hmm. have had so I hope that that will that will be changing, and that there'll be new role models for for writers now. Yeah, that sounds brilliant. Um, going back to the Royal Literary Fund, do you want to tell us about what your role specific to the job is, and how you help writers? Yeah. So the the main the core aspect of the Royal Literary Fund is that it's a benevolent organisation. Um, it started off in 1790 specifically to help writers um, who, uh, you know, serious writers who may, for whatever reason, be struggling financially. And uh, so what the Royal Literary Fund does is it gives grants to professional writers um, and it, the, the, the grants are essentially bespoke, they're kind of tailored to you and what you specifically need as a writer they're not like arts council grants where um you you say oh i want to write this particular book or i'm doing this particular project and i want to be funded this is about saying you are a writer let us support you to keep you writing and so my my role is as um i basically try and spread the word about the royal literary fund uh, and, and the grants that are, are available to writers because I think people don't really know that that kind of support exists. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I personally didn't until you reached out and you mm -hmm. were like, there's these incredible grants on offer for writers, especially because during the pandemic, it was hard for writers, wasn't it? Do you want to tell us a bit about that as well? Like how the pandemic has sort of affected these writers and why it's so important now for the Royal Literary Fund to be, you know, a part of writers' lives. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think, I mean, writing is an amazing job and I feel very privileged that, um, you know, I'm kind of semi-full-time semi writing. Um, but, you know, it is, it's not as glamorous as it sounds, you know, most writers earn the minimum wage or, or less. Most writers, the average um, salary of a writer is £10,500 a year, which is not really enough to live on. <laughs> um, and during the pandemic, what got, what got worse was that lots of publishers stopped publishing or only published books that they were really certain would be bestsellers. Um, 
And also a lot of the things that writers tend to do to bring in an income, like um, writing events, going to festivals, talking to schools, um, you know, doing, running tutorials, all of that, a lot of it came to a halt during the pandemic. And so many writers lost income from 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 that and obviously there are writers who are you know playwrights or screenplay writers and and again that all all halted being able mm. to produce their plays um so what the royal literary fund does is is that you you basically need to be a professional writer in the sense that you have had two books published or plays performed so it's not about you've um you'd like to be a writer or you've self-published you know you do you do need to be a professional writer and then um if you're struggling financially then you go and talk to them and just say this is my situation they have a panel a board of trustees um they'll read your read your work and look at your financial situation and then offer you a grant and it could be for uh, you know it could be something like you're really desperate for some new computer software because you haven't been able to afford a new computer for 15 years mm. or it could be actually you can't afford to pay your rent and you've got into debt um i think there's no shame in it that's that's mm -hmm. the other thing that because um i think writers often feel ashamed if they're not being published all the time but that's not necessarily on you. It could be your circumstances. It could be luck or what's happening in the world today. Um, mm -hmm. Certainly the publishing industry obviously didn't take a lot of books during the pandemic, but they also turned towards more feel good and cozy crime, that type of book, which might not fit with what, you know, you're writing. And I think it's also important to know that the Royal Literary Fund has supported some incredible writers like James Joyce, D.H. Lawrence, Dylan Thomas, Samuel Taylor Coleridge, wow. Bram Stoker. I mean, look how successful Dracula was and still is today. And yet he still needed some some financial support. Yeah. So, you know, thank, thank goodness they are there. And if you are struggling, then please do um, go to the RLF's website and, um, and get in touch. Yeah. I, again, we'll leave this all in the show notes. So any writers like to get in touch with you, we'll drop it there for them so they can reach out. And yeah, like you say, there is no shame in asking for grants. And, mm -hmm. and it just means that they can continue to write great books that we can read. Yes, exactly. And I've had some um, amazing, read some amazing stories about people who've been helped by the Royal Literary Fund. So, for instance, one that comes to mind, um, Zoe Marriott, she's, um, she writes YA fantasy. And at, at one point in her life, she'd had a couple of books published successfully, uh, but she was caring for her, for her father and, you know, struggling financially. She had support from the from the RLF, and and as a result, was able to go on and write many many more um, successful YA books. So I think I think there's a couple of things because it's not just about the money; it's about self worth. You know, if mm. you're struggling to get published, you're struggling to pay the bills, you're maybe have caring responsibilities. You can start to feel worthless and have a low self-esteem and the fact that an organization as um, Augustus the Royal Literary Fund says 
yeah, we think that you are a worthwhile writer and it's worth us supporting you so that you mm-hmm. can continue to write in the future. That's an mm-hmm. amazing validation. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. That all sounds really amazing, especially the fact that you, you know, the um, the RNF kind of caters to the needs of the writers and, and takes all of that into consideration. What advice would you give uh, personally to aspiring writers that are wanting to get their work published? So three things really, I would say, first of all, you need to cultivate resilience, persistence, determination and grit because it is really difficult to get published. Mm -hmm. Uh, And no matter how successful you end up being or any successful writers that you look at, they will have faced rejection and it's really hard, you know, it's really hard to to struggle with rejection and, and to keep going. So I think those are the qualities that you need to develop and to have a belief in in yourself. I think it's really important, the second thing, it's really important to practice. I mean, I would never say, oh, I could be, (laughs) um, you know, I could uh, have a violin concerto played of my music. I would never say that. Um, And in the same way that I'm sure you've had people coming up to you who've said, oh, I could write a novel or I've got a novel in me. It's all about actually doing it, you know, and it's like anything, you just, you need to practice, you need to do it over and over, every day, hone your craft, um, improve. So I think that's the second, the second aspect. And then the final, uh, the final one is to think of your writing as a journey, because, you know, nothing lasts in this life. Um, If you are successful, it won't last. If you are, in your eyes, a failure, that won't last either. It's a journey and there will be highs, there'll be lows, but it's the journey that's important. And I think it's also important to think about what success means to you as a writer. Obviously, obviously we would all like to be published, applauded, have great reviews, have fantastic reviewers, be paid money to keep us writing. Mm -hmm. But those things are not in our control. So then what is success to you as a writer and what will keep you going on this journey throughout throughout your writing career? That's brilliant. That's really loaded with like inspiration, I think. And I'm sure it will help aspiring writers to kind of get their work submitted and hopefully, yeah. That's brilliant. Keep going. Thank you. Yeah, keep going. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, what I w- what we wanted to know is kind of what are your opinions on the publishing industry today? How do you kind of see it? I think the publishing publishing industry has been very London centric, very middle class, and overwhelmingly white, and that is changing. Um, It's definitely changing, but it's probably a slow process. Um, And I think it's fantastic that um, people like you are trying to change that, change it yourselves, you know, not just wait for maybe the the larger publishing houses to change. Um, You know, I think think it's, it's brilliant that we will in the future have more diversity in our writing, in our publishing houses, 
um, in agencies and for it to be more accepted that um, books are not all set in London. Yeah. And especially because, you know, books can be read by lots of people everywhere. And I think it's, I think because it's important for ourselves to be reflected in books, you know, as yourself, you say, you know, your, your mixed heritage. I mean, did you find that as a struggle, you know, reading books growing up? Yes, I felt very isolated as a person and as a reader and a writer, because I never saw myself or people like me reflected in, in the books that I was reading um, or, or the, the culture that I lived in, I didn't see that reflected in, in, mm. in literature as well. And, you know, even a few years ago, um, some of the comments I had on my books was that they were, they, they were too diverse. You know, there was too much diversity reflected in them for a middle class setting. Wow. Yeah. That's quite a statement. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, you know, hopefully all of that will change. I think another thing that the publishing industry um, maybe focus on a bit too much is on bestsellers. I mean, obviously we, we would like it if we um, sold a lot of books and the publishing industry needs to support writers who will sell a lot of books as well. But I don't think that should be at the detriment of writers who may not be bestsellers because what makes what makes us as a writer is being original and having an original and authentic voice and that voice will resonate with some people yeah. and so I think publishing should be about supporting diversity of voices um, and the longevity of of writers careers because you know generally the more you do something the better you get and I think that's that would be a really fantastic thing if editors were more supportive of their writers and mentored them for for longer. Mm -hmm. yeah. Thank you. Uh, what is your favourite novel and why? Ah, oh, um, so my favourite novel is um, *Wuthering Heights* by Emily Bronte, and I think originally I first read it when I when I moved to. Um, West Yorkshire and uh, was living near Ilkley, uh, Ilkley Moor and, and obviously the moor in Ilkley is very similar to Howarth Moor that's in, mm -hmm. in Wuthering Heights and mm -hmm. as, a, as a young teenager I just loved that story of, um, you know, a tragic love story. Um, but as I got older I realised that there were so many more layers to that book. I mean layers in terms of um, themes like revenge, um, race, you know, the kind of the casual racism that's, mm -hmm. that's, that's in the book, um, as well as craft. I mean, it's an exceptionally skilled book um, in terms of having this double framed narrative, both by um, uh, the housemaid and by Mr. Lockwood, who becomes a tenant uh, at Wuthering Heights. And so it's one of those books that I feel like I can read and reread and still learn and get more from it. That's brilliant. Yeah, it's an amazing book. <laughs> I could see Sarah's eyes just like glistening <laughs> because she absolutely loves the Brontes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, brilliant. Um, 
that that's all for the questions thank you so much Sanjida we've now come to a segment that we call current reads this is where we usually share what we're reading so we'll just go around uh, one by one um, we'll start off with you Sanjida as your our guest so I know we have several books on the go so I normally have an audible um, audio book uh, listening to the complete works of Sherlock Holmes read by Stephen Fry at the moment and then I'll always have a non-fiction book and also books um, research that I'm reading for whatever novel I'm, I'm, I'm working on. Um, but in terms of just reading for pleasure, I've just read um, The Wolf Hunters by Amanda Mitchinson, who is a Royal Literary Fund fellow. And it's, a, it's crime fiction. It's um, like a Scottish dystopia. So it's set in the near future. Um, a young man's body is found in the Highlands on an estate that's been rewilded with predators. And it looks as if he's been killed by a bear, but the um, uh, the resident detective, Rona Ballantyne, is quite suspicious. And it feels to me like um, a meeting of Cormac McCarthy's The Road in terms of the bleakness of it. And in terms of the secrets and the relationship between people, it's a little like Anne Cleves's Shetland series. Mm. So I, I would recommend it. That's brilliant. That sounds amazing. Sarah, what are you currently reading? Uh, so I picked up Macbeth last night because we purchased, well, we went yesterday to a load of bookshops and me and Habiba purchased a load of books, but um, it was just this beautiful copy of Macbeth and it just made me want to read it again. So I just started reading it last night and it's it's one of my favourite Shakespeare plays. Um, I started read well I read it for the first time in high school and and it's just it's just amazing so that's what I've been kind of reading and it's got some amazing kind of notes at the bottom of it it's such a lovely copy so yeah that's what I've been reading how about you Habiba? So I think I would love to um, go back and reread Shakespeare so you've uh, you've you've prompted me to do that thank you <laughs> my um my uh, literature professor, uh, he always says Macbeth and he never says Macbeth three times because he calls it the cursed play. <laughs> yeah, he, he he's had some uh, traumatic experiences after having watched Macbeth and so he's always said, nope, I can't um, say it three times, otherwise something will happen. <laughs> yeah, it's very amusing. <laughs> Habiba, what are you reading at the moment? Uh, I've just finished Jackie Kay's The Red Dust Road. Um, it's an incredible book where she goes on a journey to go find her biological parents because she's adopted. Um, and it's interesting because uh, she's mixed race and her, her mother's white and was in the Scottish Highlands and her father was from Nigeria. So it's amazing how she goes on these um, adventures almost. And she takes you along and you kind of feel really sad for her when things don't go right and you feel really elated when she finds her family and they actually want to connect with her but um yeah it's an incredible book recommend it to everyone that sounds wonderful i'd like to read that one too <laughs> yeah it's a quick read as well it's fantastic but um but yeah she she brings so much emotion and power into talking about adoption about how you know it must have felt for her birth mother to give her up but yeah, just fascinating book. Brilliant. So that brings our episode to a close. Thank you so much, Sanjida, for taking the time out to join us today. We're grateful for your time and we would love chatting with you. Yeah, oh, me too. Brilliant. Thank you for having me. <laughs>
Thank you so much. And to our listeners, thank you for all your support and for tuning in. And as always, happy writing, fellow foxes.